Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everyone? It's Michael Scotto, HoopsHype.com's NBA writer and host of the Hoops Hype podcast. On today's episode, our Hoops Hype salary cap expert, Yossi Goslin, and I are going to break down the offseason for the Atlanta Hawks and the Los Angeles Clippers after both teams fell short in the conference finals. And, you know, Yossi, the most notable item starting off with the Clippers heading into the summer is the free agency of Kawhi Leonard, Hoops Hype's number one overall ranked free agent in this year's class yeah the clippers they had a really unbelievable offseason especially compared to the meltdown that they had in 2020 think that they learned a lot this year especially under tai lu i think they're definitely uh figured out a lot of things and they should feel good about heading into next season and especially if you're Kawhi, if if he had any doubts about whether this is was the right move, if he should remain there for the future. I think a lot of those doubts uh, really cooled down. So as we know, he is eligible to be a free agent. He's got that player option. I wrote about the Clippers last week uh, as soon as they got eliminated. I talked about him and several other things. And with Leonard, uh, he's, so he's got his player option. And it... I'll just I don't think he's going to leave, but I'll just touch on that really quick about what that could be. If he were to walk, Dallas and New York are the only playoff teams that could get to max cap space for him. So I don't know if those are uh, places that are particularly of interest to him. Maybe Dallas because they have Luka. I don't know. But those are really the only two recent playoff teams that could get to max cap space. There's Miami, but... Uh, they don't. They're, they're not able to get the max cap space. Their route to getting Kawhi would have to be through a trade. So it would have to be kind of a situation where Kawhi tells the Clippers, "Hey, you know what? I don't want to be here. Uh, I'm gonna leave, but maybe you want. Uh, I'm willing to go to Miami if you trade me there." He, he can say this about with some other teams, and then Miami would have to uh, opt in Drogic and Iguodala and then send picks and hero and whatever they can to make it work. That would be basically the situation. So I touched on that a little more where Leonard, if you really want to think you could do an opt-in trade, I think he has more options that way, but I don't think that's going to happen. My guess is that he will end up staying with the Clippers. And I think the bigger question is what kind of contractual pathway will he take to stay with them? Um, He can opt out and he could sign a four-year, $176 million contract with them. Uh, he could also be—so he could only do four years because he has early bird rights. If he wants, he could also do another short-term deal because of that, do a one-plus-one, and then re-sign with them next year on a five-year, uh, $235 million max. Uh, one other pathway that Bobby Mark suggested was that— Kawhi could opt in to 36 million and then immediately sign uh, once the offseason kicks in, 
uh, on the on the second year anniversary of Kawhi signing, he can uh, extend with the Clippers for an, add on an additional four years, 181 million. So uh, he's got some options as far as uh, at getting like four to five years on top of what he has now. I get the feeling that he will do a one plus one and then uh, sign a five-year deal next summer just because he can. He's Kawhi. He's a top-five player, and this is the Clippers. They have all the money. The owner, Their owner is one in the top ten wealthiest people in the world. Uh, if he takes a one plus one, that would also still keep uh, give him a lot of leverage. Uh, put a lot of pressure on the Clippers to keep improving the team. Not that I doubt the Clippers are going to hold back on anything, but when you have a superstar on a short-term deal, then it keeps the front office on their heels to keep making moves that would keep the team competitive and uh, appease Kawhi. So, and yeah, if he if he does a one plus one now and sign and with the plan to sign a five-year deal next offseason, I he'll definitely get it. Uh, he's Kawhi. Yeah, and I mean, regarding Kawhi, you know, I know you had wrote on the Clippers, uh, as did I, focusing a little bit more on Kawhi's situation where, you know, we polled for Hoopside five executives around the league to, just to get a, a barometer of what they feel Kawhi is going to do. They all felt he was ultimately going to stay with the Clippers. And I I would think that that's the pathway right now. They, they had a good run. Uh, you know, if he's healthy with Paul George, the way they were rolling – could have been a different series, but um, contractually, I think like he figures that out. Another guy we touched on in our stories, um, you know, which you should check out on hoopsype.com. We touched on Reggie Jackson, so I don't want to get too much more into him. Um, but one guy that I do want to touch on a little bit more is Terrence Mann. Um, you know, as you had written, he's eligible for an extension uh, with the Clippers and. Uh, to me, that's a guy that's going to be interesting to see, um, you know, what happens there. So uh, for me, it's like, you know, you had written he's eligible for a four year, $56 million extension. That's the most he can get. Um, so to my knowledge, uh, man, and the Clippers haven't had those conversations yet. It's a little too soon to discuss it. But that said, my sense is the only way it makes sense for man to consider signing an extension with the Clippers at this point is if they offered that full max of the four years, $56 million to get ahead of potentially his future market uh, going forward because he is under contract for another few more years. But I'll, I'll let you kind of break that down a little bit more concisely than I can. Yeah, so that $56 million, that's the projection right now for uh, for man and – my feeling is that um, he might not take that just yet. So he will have all of next season to sign any type of extension with the Clippers. And, you know, may, if you told him when you got drafted that this was going to be uh, an option, I don't know if he would have believed it. But after his emergence and his role – uh, stepping up for the Clippers after Kawhi went down, my feeling is that the Clippers might put that on the table immediately because they are very high on Terrence Mann. They've always been uh, they've been scouting him for a very long time. 
I don't think they were very shocked to see that he was playing like this when he did. And I could see them thinking, you know what, uh, 56 million over four, that might be a bargain. Let's offer it and maybe he maybe hopefully accepts it. That would be great for us. I'm thinking maybe Terrence Mann sees that. Listen, like I just had a breakthrough uh, playoff performance. Maybe I could get even more because if he makes it, if he doesn't sign the extension, he um, he could become a restricted free agent in 2022. He's got a team option for 2023, but I don't think the Clippers would want to uh, exercise that, even though he'd be making less than two mil, because if they exercise it, then he becomes unrestricted in 2023. So if he doesn't sign an extension with them this se- during the season, he'll probably become unrestricted. Uh, he'll probably become restricted in 2022. And he could get more money than that uh, extension. He can get up to the max. I, I don't know if he'll – I don't think he'll – I'm not sure he's going to, like, get the max, but he could get more than uh, $12 million annually for sure. So uh, we'll see. Uh, I think with no rush to sign the extension, I really – I'm expecting man to play it out a little bit, uh, try to build off how his performance in this playoffs – and uh, try to get more in, in restricted free agency. You know, and I agree with you on that overall in terms of the options of whether it makes sense for him or not. It's still like kind of early in the game. To me, when you, I don't know, I don't know if he's going to necessarily get the opportunity he did in the playoffs. And I almost wonder if you should cash in. There's There's times where guys leave money on the table. You know, we've seen that with a guy like, uh, just for comparison's sake, like a Norris Cole, a Nerlens Noel, and they don't get it back. And that's always something you never want to do as a player. Um, so I think it's going to be an interesting scenario for for both sides to decide. Obviously, it's in the early stages there. Um, but again, from from man's perspective, my sense is that it, it really doesn't make sense for him unless it's the full max. And he's not the only guy that's eligible for an extension uh, with the Clippers. You know, Patrick Beverly is extension eligible as well. And uh, I'm told that Patrick Beverly is open to a contract. Excuse me. Patrick Beverly is open to contract extension discussions with the Clippers. Uh, League source told Hoopsite. I'm told that Beverly loves playing in L.A. with the Clippers. Uh, He's a big fan of Steve Ballmer as an owner and that Lawrence Frank has been great to Pat Bev and his family. Uh, so, you know, opening those discussions of a contract extension would be something that Beverly would like to do. And it'll be interesting to see if uh, they take care of him because heading into next season, Beverly is owed $14.3 million in the final year of his contract. Uh, you know, he's type of guy, a uh, pesky defender uh, that you need on a championship team. You know, I know maybe some fans aren't thrilled of, you know, the, the shove that he gave Chris Paul um, at the end of the series. But, um, you know, Pat Beverly's the type of guy that you want on your team as a rugged defender and not a guy you want to go up against. So it'll be interesting to see if they, they get that done. But from Beverly's side of things, he's open to it uh, for sure. And, you know, within the next uh, – couple of months he's going to be heading down to Houston with his one of his trainers Aaron Miller and they're going to get back to work so we'll see if 
he gets to work on his game as well as uh, a new contract with the Clippers coming up soon. Yeah, so one of the things I wrote about regarding Beverly and some of the other Clippers role players is that when the the Clippers, they did their move and they got Paul George and Leonard and they traded all their draft picks, they basically lost all their flexibility to do just about anything. And now tears has passed. They have a couple draft picks opened up they could trade. And now they have a bunch of mid-tier salaries that they could use for potential bigger trades. Uh, they've got Marcus Morris. You got Beverly. You got Kennard. Uh, they got Ibaka, who I'm guessing will opt in now with his injury. They got Rajon Rondo. They got Zubats, uh, another, who's another player who's extension eligible. And if the Clippers want to make a, some somewhat of a big trade, I, they kind of have the juice to do it. I don't think they're going to get like an all-star, but they could definitely make some kind of upgrade or target some kind of player that they think could be a great fit for them. So... If they really like Beverly going forward, then, you know, why not extend them, take care of them now while you can? The only reason they might not is just because uh, trade uh, opportunities. If they extend Beverly, um, kind of it might limit how much uh, if they could trade him. But I'm not I don't think he'll get a big enough raise where he'd not be able to be traded immediately. But um, and at the same time, you got to make sure that the contract is something that could be traded later. So, um, you know, that's just something to keep in mind. I think the Clippers are definitely going to be uh, scouring the market, trying to see what they could get. I'm not sure, you know, it's, like I, I thought Beverly was really good, especially in the Utah and series and what he was able to do on Booker uh, for a lot of the time. But um, if, uh, if they're going to, I wouldn't say anyone's really untouchable outside of George Leonard and, you know, I would say to some degree, man. So we'll see. I think they're going to, they'll definitely try to make some kind of splash. Uh, but if not, yeah, might as well take care of Beverly while you can give him a couple more years to lock down. You know, another role player on the Clippers uh, that's going to have an interesting offseason is Nick Batum. Uh, kind of showed NBA teams this season he can still be a productive player uh, on a playoff team after having a couple of rough seasons with the, the Hornets organization. But what's going to be interesting is he's still getting paid from the Hornets. So I wonder how that's going to affect his market looking uh, towards this summer. Yeah, that was something that I noted when I was talking about Batum because uh, I've seen a lot of people thrown out there like, oh, you know, maybe, you know, there's a lot of teams with the tax pyramid level. They can offer that. And that might have to pressure the Clippers to offer their tax pyramid level to just to match whatever Batum might be getting. But uh, he's owed 18 million over the next two seasons from Charlotte still. And the, I was saying how the taxpayer mid level is like roughly two and a half million from his uh, the non bird raise that they can give Batum. Uh, the Clippers can give Batum. So. If you're Batum, you already owed a lot of money from Charlotte. You had a great year from you had a great year with the Clippers. Uh, if he, unless he gets some ridiculous offer, something maybe for like the full mid level, the the full non tax pyramid level for multiple years, then maybe he considers uh, helping the Clippers out for another year. Maybe takes the minimum or the non bird maximum. Let the Clippers preserve their taxpayer. I don't know what you know. I don't know what he. I'm not trying to speak for what he should do, but just putting the context out there that 
he still owed a lot of money. So maybe it might not be as hard for the Clippers to retain him as you think. Well, he might be a guy that's willing to give a discount. But one guy I'm not sure that's going to be is looking towards this summer. One of the top free agents on the market. And we're going to switch now from the Clippers to the Hawks, as we touched on in the open. But John Collins is a guy that's going to get paid uh, this offseason, in my opinion. And then John was a guy that, uh, you know, statistically, he had a solid year. I know he's put up maybe technically better numbers on Hawks teams that didn't do as well. But his impact on Atlanta this season in terms of winning – I think is going to translate into a nice pay raise for him this offseason. And with that in mind, he talked about free agency during his exit interviews. And he said, you know, when he was asked about free agency, Colin said that uh, it's something I feel like I voiced my opinion about a lot, saying that I want to be here and I've tried to be the best professional I can and let the business side be the business side and do what I can on the court and let that speak for itself. Um, you know, and he said, obviously we're going to, uh, have to come to a decision very soon, but hopefully the best one for me is the one that keeps me here. And, you know, Travis Schlenk, Atlanta's GM, he praised him for just being a guy that he wasn't out there playing for his numbers and he was out there playing for the team to win. And, you know, he, he, he mentioned how it spoke highly of his character. So the million dollar question or, the six figure, you know, could be hundred plus million dollar question here or more for John Collins is what does he end up getting? You know, ultimately, I I think, you know, any team that's going to want to get John Collins outside of Atlanta in restricted free agency is probably going to have to offer a max to make it a conversation for Atlanta. You know, a lot of teams always in restricted free agency have to overpay to make it uh, a tough decision for a team to let a guy walk. Now, ultimately I see John Collins in Atlanta. He's coming back in my opinion, whether that's matching an offer sheet or they get a deal done on their own. You can't let John Collins walk right now. If you're Atlanta, the way, this season transpired and you know he's talked about how much he wants to stay there i just think they get it done ultimately the question is how much yeah well john collins he declined a pretty big extension i believe it was reported in uh before the season started he turned down like 90 million over four which you know that's a pretty good amount of money based on what john collins has done in his first three seasons in atlanta and you know atlanta hasn't been very good at all and he, I don't, I wouldn't say he took like a huge risk because I felt that there was definitely going to be a team, regardless of how the Hawks did this offseason, that probably throws a max at him just to see if the Hawks blink. But um, now I think he's, after this season that they had, and the Hawks just made a huge leap from one of the bottom of the lottery teams to they're probably going to be a playoff team from here on out. Um, he's that the the best thing he's done is really solidified his his future in Atlanta and like in a role there where they're not gonna I don't think they're gonna have any uh, reservations about potentially maxing him out. 
So I guess the bigger question is, well, I agree with you. I think that he's going to stay in Atlanta. I think they're going to want to work something out. But I guess the bigger question is, are they just going to give him uh, like a a straight max, which I'm sure he'll command? Or will they have him let him uh, sign a max offer sheet with another team so they could match it, which would be for a little less? Another team can offer him 121 mil over four. That's roughly 30 million annually, while the Hawks themselves can give him 163 over five. That's 33 million annually. Either way, he's if if it was 90 million, he declined before the season started. He already made himself at least another 30 million, which is which is really great. Um, but um, it will it'll just be interesting to see the way it goes um my guess is they work something out with him um just to avoid i don't think they're gonna want to you know play any restricted free agency games with get other teams involved uh especially after the season they had i think they'll work something out yeah and i mean another guy they're gonna have to try to work something out with is lou williams who they acquired uh, in the middle of the season and you know, my understanding is Lou Williams is seeking a two-year deal, maybe three for the right fit. A league source told Hoopsype. And recently, Williams ended a recent Instagram post with hashtag think I'm coming back. Um, certainly, you know, can confirm there's interest for Lou to come back to Atlanta and uh, that feeling seemed to be mutual with Hawks general manager, Travis Schlenk, uh, during his end of the season media availability. When he was asked about the possibility of bringing Lou Williams back, he said, we'd be extremely open to talking to him in his camp about moving forward. I thought he added a lot to our team and, you know, Travis praised him for, you know, being a productive player on the court. But one of the things that stuck out to Travis was, how Lou Williams interacted with all their younger players and his personality. And particularly when he got to the team, Travis mentioned that uh, there was a big growth in Onyeka Okongwu's game and um, his presence in the practices in the locker room helped. And, you know, lastly, Travis was saying that, uh, quote, it's no secret that we've always struggled to, field a consistent role that back at that backup point guard spot. And to me, it's right in front of you. You got Lou Will, perfect guy off the bench um, at this stage of his career where he can spell Trey Young and part some wisdom and spots start for him, as you saw in the playoffs. Um, and to me, I would think ultimately as of now, they both sides get something done. Seem like a, a good fit to me. Yeah. Something I always noticed, I always felt like Lou Williams always entered free agency in the most unlucky times. He was a free agent in 2015, right before the salary cap spike the following year. So he was, so he uh, was earning like seven, eight mil in that contract with the Lakers. And then he entered, he was about to enter free agency again in 2018, right after those, 2016 2017 spikes were starting to cool down so he extended on like a, on a very team-friendly deal with the clippers again i always felt i always wondered like just how much he would make had he made 
had he entered free agency during those spikes. But with I agree with you. With uh, it looks like if the Hawks definitely should bring him back. Um, the, one of their issues in their first few seasons with Trey was that they had absolutely no backup point guard, and now they found one of the most perfect backup point guards. Uh, Lou just finished his 16th season, though, so I definitely it's kind of like a year-by-year thing, in my opinion, just because, you know, it it feels like Lou's just immortal every year. He just keeps doing this and doing this. You forget how long he's been in the league for, but uh, you definitely got to bring him back at least for another year. Um, One thing to note is that the Hawks right now, uh, so if they give John Collins a max, uh, they're going to be roughly 10 mil below the tax. So my guess is that they're going to re-sign Lou with a good chunk of the their space remaining. Uh, if something doesn't work out with him, they'll probably use their mid-level to get a different backup point guard. But uh, after the success they had, I think they're going to try to run back as much of the team as possible, and that definitely includes Lou. Yeah, I mean, I would absolutely see that. And, um, you know, Lou Williams reminds me a little bit of Jamal Crawford. I know he's older, but, like, yep. guy can just get a bucket. And ultimately, that's what they need. Um, you know, they're going to have some interesting uh, – another backcourt guy they got to figure out is Chris Dunn a little bit with his $5 million player option. Uh, you know, Travis didn't have any update there after his press conference, but – Obviously, he'll talk to Dunn's representation about that. Um, you know, right now, I, I think it's an interesting case for Dunn because I don't know if he's going to get to play as much next year given this roster the way it's looking right now. So do you take that $5 million or do you maybe try to get uh, in a better situation um, to play more? I mean, he's obviously on a good team now. So it's to me, it's not as easy of as a decision um, for a guy like Don right now. Yeah, so earlier today, I released an article where I made predictions on uh, what uh, will happen with all the remaining player and team options that have yet to be decided. Uh, and with Chris Dunn, I just said that I, I think he'll pick up that option just mainly because he had a lost year. He had that ankle injury that kept him out. I'm not sure exactly how much he played, but he didn't play that much during the season or in the playoffs. Uh, and right now, the Hawks point guard situation is in flux just because Lou is uh, a free agent. Uh, so, yeah, I'm sure they'll still get another. They'll either resign him or get a different backup point guard. But as long as Dunn's healthy, um, he he's a rotational player. He should definitely get minutes with the team. He, he, yeah, they are pretty heavy on guards and wings, but... As you saw with the Sox team, there was always somebody hurt. Like in the beginning of the year, Bogdanovich missed a lot of time. And then DeAndre Hunter, he started the season really hot. And then he just mostly missed time going forward. So you never, you know, when, and Chris Dunn is another guy who got hurt. There, there was plenty of, uh, Kevin Herter got the step up. Uh, Cam Reddish got hurt. Then Bogdanovich got healthy and he got the step up. So you just never know what, who's going to be there. Ultimately, I remember when the Hawks signed everyone and this past offseason and I just thought, well, they're super loaded. Like there's no way they could play all these guys. And but injuries happen. And it was a great thing that they were this loaded and this deep. 
because every it just ended up working out and they made it all the way to the conference finals. So uh, I my feeling is that things will work out for Dunn. I think he should get playing time next year as long as he's healthy. Yeah, and I mean, in keeping with the theme of the backcourt for the Hawks, Kevin Hurd was eligible for an extension too. Um, and even Clint Capella, I think you had uh, mentioned to me as well coming into this. I mean, so... I mean, with that in mind, are they? Does it make sense? Do you think for Atlanta to do that, given where they're at right now financially, and and what are their options with those guys? So uh, I'll touch on Capella really quickly. So he's eligible this offseason to have three years, uh, seventy, uh, almost seventy-one million. Uh, so he just had a, another monster year. It's crazy. The Hawks got him for free. They they got a pick from Brooklyn to take on uh, Evan Turner or I don't know what the oh no, no not Evan Turner um, Alan Crabb to help them get cap space and then they used that pick uh, from Brooklyn to get Clint Capella like just, they got him for free and he's one of the most productive centers like one of the best centers that's not in like that's not an all star uh, he's definitely exceeded the value of the of his contracts by a good amount and so if you're capella it's an interesting extension you know, usually when players capitalize on seasons this good when they have seasons this good they might want to wait till free agency to see what they could get um but um this this uh this extension would give him would pay him north would pay him like around 22 23 million annually uh, and keep them under contract through 2026. So, I mean, I don't, I, I don't know. It's just, it's pretty far out. The extension wouldn't even kick in for another two years, but it's definitely something to consider if you're him, because that is a lot of money. And, uh, you know, that if this is, if there's a season to, to capitalize, uh, and add additional years, this is a, as good as it could get. Uh, we'll see. Maybe Atlanta offers it. But then the more pressing one is Kevin Herter. He will, has one year left on his deal. Um, he came in the same draft class as Trey Young, and he was awesome in the playoffs. He really stepped up with amid uh, several other injuries that the Hawks had. And his number will be interesting. He definitely made himself a lot of money, especially after closing out the Sixers himself. And... Um, uh, you know, I'm guessing now he might get him something in the high teens. Um, I think that's definitely something in value, as like solid value for him going forward. We'll see how negotiations are. That will be very fascinating because it's. Re- I think it's pretty tough to put a value on him right now. But the thing to keep in mind is that the money is starting to add up for the Hawks. Not so much for this upcoming season, but for the following one. Because you got Collins who might make a max, uh, definitely should make around it. You've got Kevin Herter who I think could get something in the high teens uh, annually, and then you got Trey Young and that he's also extension eligible. And uh, you saw that uh, Luka Doncic he's going to get the uh, uh, 201 million dollar extension because he made All NBA the past two seasons. If Trey Young makes All NBA just this coming season, then he's eligible for that same contract. And I think that's a 
pretty good possibility that that happens. So, uh, you know, if you just, the numbers are really starting to add up. If you got Trey making a max, you got Collins making a max, you already got Capella and Bogdan making close to 20 million. Now you're going to put Herter potentially making in the high teens. And then you still have Hunter, Okongwu, Cam Reddish. You know, they're not making a ton of money, but they were lottery picks. So those salaries are gen- like pretty high for uh, players on the rookie contracts. Like, they could be paying close to 30 million. Uh, they could be close to 30 million over the tax uh, if with all these uh, extensions, if they extend all these guys. So it's going to be pretty expensive for the Hawks going forward. Uh, so I definitely want to keep an eye on the Herder situation just because assuming Collins gets his con gets taken care of and, Trey Young presumably will uh, get get it extended this offseason. I'm really curious to see what they do with him. And also maybe they they decide to make some other kind of moves with their core players just because how expensive it's going to get. Yeah, I mean, look, I'll say this. I don't know what they're going to try to offer Kevin Herter. I think they would certainly break the bank for Kavan Herter, his alter ego that uh, has come about during the playoffs. But, you know, you touched on it. And I'll say this. This is a good problem for Atlanta to have, you know, these these potential high luxury tax implications. Because generally when you're at that point, you've got a roster you really like. They've got a lot of young pieces. They've got a lot of guys that make uh, decent contracts that you could eventually flip. You know, if you really wanted to piece all these young guys together and really go for it and make a move at the deadline for a veteran that could help. They can do that. They've got that flexibility. Um, you know, for both the Los Angeles Clippers and the Atlanta Hawks, pivotal offseason. They were knocking on the doorstep to get to the NBA finals with a couple of tweaks. Both teams maybe next season could end up there. Um, that said, injuries happen. And as we saw this playoff run, uh, anything can happen. But you know, Yossi, as always, no matter what happens, you and I will break it down. And it's always a pleasure, my man. Thanks for having me on again, Michael. And the uh, offseason is getting so much closer, so I'm sure it's going to get way more. Uh, it's going to be a lot more fun going forward. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll be breaking down the Clippers, the Hawks, and the rest of the league as well coming up uh, as we get towards the draft and the NBA offseason as well. Um, and on behalf of Yossi, I want to thank everyone for tuning in. And if you want to hear more episodes of the Hoopside podcast with guest appearances from NBA players, coaches, executives, and media members, you can like and subscribe to it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and anywhere else you listen to podcasts. You can also keep up with my tweets on Twitter at Mike A. Scotto. Make sure you're following Yossi as well at Yossi Goslin, Y-O-S-S-I-G-O-Z-L-A-N. And until next time, I'm your host, Michael Scotto, wishing you and yours all the best. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.